Despite the tremendous conflict in Iraq, there have been many medical miracles. Find out how access to care in Iraq changes the approach to surgery here in the United States. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and our guest today is Dr. Carla Christian, Associate Professor and Associate Chief of Pediatric Cardiac Surgery at Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Christian recently performed surgery to correct a congenital heart defect in a young Iraqi girl found by Marines amid the ongoing conflict in Iraq and brought to the United States for care. Welcome, Dr. Christian. Thank you for having me. Today we are discussing the preparations for open-heart surgery for this young Iraqi girl. Dr. Christian, you mentioned that the original diagnosis, Tetralogy of Fallot, was changed when you had an opportunity to do more intensive echocardiograms and such. Could you expand upon that? Correct. When we did the surface echo on the heart, we determined that Amina had a defect known as congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries. What that means is her superior vena cava and inferior vena cava, in her case, they came together because her inferior vena cava was interrupted. What that means is her inferior vena cava comes up from her lower body and connects through her azacus vein to her superior vena cava. Then they come in together from above into her right atrium. Her right atrium then is connected to her left ventricle. Her left ventricle has obstruction but pumps out to her pulmonary arteries. Her pulmonary arteries come back to her pulmonary veins and connect to her left atrium, which then pumps into a small right ventricle, and then the small right ventricle pumps out to the aorta. And in the middle of all this is a VSD, which allows there to be some mixing and allows her to survive. But in the end, it leaves her being very blue, but able to survive a little over two years. How common is this defect? This is a very rare defect to have, especially obviously in our country, to have this type of defect with no previous medical care, no previous diagnosis. Have you ever seen this before? It's always hard to remember every patient that you've ever <laughs> seen and ever operated on. It's very uncommon to have the dextrocardia, the interrupted inferior vena cava, and then what this becomes is a functional single ventricle. So I can't say we've never seen it, but it, it's very uncommon. Now, going back to our medical school training, we were always taught that transposition generally were two closed circulations kept alive by a PDA. Was that not the case in the situation? No, because you're thinking of standard transposition, and this is what we call congenitally corrected transposition. In regular transposition, your right atrium connects to your right ventricle, and your right ventricle connects to your aorta. This is congenitally corrected, so here your right atrium connects to your left ventricle, and then your left ventricle connects to your pulmonary artery. Now, this child, did she have infections? Was she very ill when you saw her? When she was admitted to the hospital, we admitted her to the intensive care unit for resuscitation with oxygen, blood transfusion, IV fluids. Additionally, she had three infections on admission. Those consisted of ear infections, bladder infections, and also RSV infections. And those potentially were at least partially caused by her 24 hours of travel time in addition to being cyanotic. Were you surprised that this child was alive at this age just to begin with? I think she was, in many ways, a very fortunate child because 
it was our estimation that she probably didn't have much more than six months more to live if she hadn't gotten medical treatment when she did. When you evaluated her, more than the ultrasound, did you do a heart catheterization and an MRA? What else did you do? We did an MRA and subsequently a heart catheterization just to ensure that all of our assumptions were correct before we went ahead with our planned cardiac operation. Did you have any concerns considering her very rare complex condition? We wanted to be sure, given that we were going to do a different operation and a higher-risk operation than we had originally planned on doing, we wanted to ensure that all of our assumptions were correct in terms of her pulmonary resistance and her blood pressure in her lungs, because the operation that we eventually did, which was a bidirectional Glenn shunt, for that operation to work, you have to have low pulmonary artery pressure and low pulmonary vascular resistance, or you don't survive. Now, clearly, you changed what you were going to do based on her change in diagnosis. Could you say in simplistic forms what exactly the Glenn shunt is and what modifications you were going to do? The bidirectional Glenn shunt is an operation you do on somebody that has a single ventricle or single pumping chamber heart. And while she technically had two ventricles for her heart, the leftward right ventricle was too small to have long-term use as a long-term pumping chamber to her body. And so we didn't think she was a long-term two-ventricle heart. So we treated her as a single ventricle. And the bidirectional Glenn shunt typically is an operation you do in single ventricles. Most commonly, it's not the final operation, and you would have to come back and have what's called a Fontan operation down the road. In her, it'll be her last operation, which is fortunate given that we don't anticipate seeing her back. And the reason it works for her particular anatomy is because her inferior vena cava connects to her superior vena cava. So in her, her bidirectional Glenn shunt works as an almost Fontan operation, meaning that all of the blue blood coming back to her heart from her body, with the exception of her liver now, goes straight to her lungs and gets oxygenated. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Carla Christian, associate professor and associate chief of pediatric cardiac surgery at the Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University. We are discussing preparations for open-heart surgery for this young Iraqi girl. Dr. Christian, you had mentioned the complexity of the surgical procedure itself. Did the planning for this surgical procedure require a fair amount of discussions and thought between you and other surgeons involved? It was a lot of discussion with myself and the cardiologists as well as my other partner, Dr. Bichelle, in terms of ensuring that we thought that she wasn't a good two-ventricle candidate and then determining exactly whether the bidirectional Glenn shunt would be her best option versus other types of palliative operations. And in the end, after much discussion and reviewing all the data, I thought this would be her best operation for the short term and for the long term. Now, you mentioned that because you did not expect to see her again in the United States as she'd be going back to Iraq, did that influence which procedure you did? In the end, no. In the end, I think we did exactly the same operation she would have gotten if she lived in Nashville. And I think that's important to try to ideally do on a charity case the same operation you think that you would do for anyone that lives here. Now, how did you really view her prognosis based on everything you had learned up to this point? 
I thought overall I would hope that she would have at least a 95% survival, but having said that, if you're the 5% that doesn't do well, that's a big number. I see. And were there other delays in preparing her for surgery other than the infections you spoke about and the blood transfusions? No, really, it was the infection that slowed us down. Originally, we had hoped that when she arrived on a Thursday that we might potentially operate on her the very next day, but when she arrived with all the complicated diagnosis and the infection, it added an extra two and a half weeks to her preoperative hospitalization time. One and a half weeks of that was in the hospital and an additional one week as an outpatient before we brought her back in for her operation. Now, why was she an outpatient for a week? Because she did not require inpatient hospitalization the entire time. What was she doing for that one week as an outpatient? She was with a host family, just enjoying some time in Nashville, recovering from her respiratory infection. So you couldn't expedite that. You wanted her to get through with her infection before you took her to surgery. Correct. If you have a respiratory infection and you're going to go on the heart-lung bypass machine, It's important from a lung standpoint to get the lungs as healthy as possible before you put someone on the bypass machine, especially in this case where we're going to do the bidirectional Glenn shunt and count on the lungs being healthy if you need the blood to flow passively through the lungs. And so that's why we were giving the lungs extra time to heal from the lung infection. So what was the total amount of time when the child landed in Nashville to the time that you actually operated on her? Two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks total time before the operation. Now, even though you had excellent interpreters, how did you manage any apprehension from the child and her mother? The child actually was very playful and engaging once she got over her initial period of illness. And I felt like the child didn't have any stranger anxiety, even though she's two. She seemed to do real well with the strangers and the environment. The mother overall seemed to tolerated all well. However, when I did do the consent through the interpreter, clearly the mother was very concerned. And at one point I questioned whether the mother might not consent to the operation. What made you think that? Well, like any parent, when you tell the family that there's a chance of death with the operation, they may not decide to go ahead with the operation. But at the same time, I explained to the mother that if they didn't have the operation, that we thought the child wouldn't live more than an additional six months. Well, what did you think was the risk for this child? Probably on the order of 5% of a bad complication or not surviving. And do you think that the mother understood this? I think she understood the significance of the operation. Was there a father involved? There is a father back in Iraq. They have three additional children who are older, so he stayed behind to care for the other children. How did you deal with the media? The media actually were overall very easy to deal with. Vanderbilt has a media group that facilitated some press releases, and they did a little filming of the actual operation. But overall, I thought it was very easy. People were very respectful of the family. I was concerned from a family standpoint that we'd be respectful of the family. Well, let's talk about you for a second. Certainly, anytime you go into the operating room with a complex procedure, you're under a microscope. It would think that with all the media coverage and this exceptional situation that you would really be under a microscope. How did you handle that kind of pressure? Well, on a daily basis when we operate, I try to think that each patient that I operate on is the most important patient at that time. Granted, this patient I understood had at some level national significance or international significance as the case might be. I knew it was important for 
Dr. Nadeau in Iraq, he had impressed upon me what an important message this would send the Iraqi people if we could help this child. And clearly it was important that we have a child that survived this operation. At the same time, every child that I operate on, it's important for me to have that particular child on any given day survive. So it was very important, but it's not to diminish the importance of any other child on any other day. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Carla Christian. We have been discussing preparations for open-heart surgery for this young Iraqi girl. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at www.reachmd.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.